0: Rural hospitals today face unprecedented financial challenges, cybersecurity threats, staffing shortages, and more, often feeling like they are on an island fighting a battle on all sides. So, how do rural hospitals leverage the support of organizations like the American Hospital Association to continue moving forward?
1: With direct engagement, consistent support, and the strength of AHA’s broadly deployed teams?
0: I'm Rachel Lott
1: and I'm J.J. Hodshire.
0: And this is Rural Health Rising.
1: Welcome to episode 116 of Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hodshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital.
0: And I'm Rachel Lott, Chief Communications Officer.
1: So, Rachel, today our guest is someone um, that is surrounded uh, by, you know, field engagement activities that uh, she engages in to support hospitals like Hillsdale. And uh, she does a fantastic job at uh, the work that she does. But uh, her primary goal is in advocacy. And I think uh, I'm excited today to uh, have a conversation and really to share with our listeners what exactly she does and uh, how they can also receive that help.
0: Right, right. There's so many different issues on different fronts facing hospitals today, including rural hospitals. So I'm excited to talk to someone today who really spends a majority of her time Mm -hmm. with her team, engaging communities and supporting hospitals directly to meet and mitigate those challenges and risks they're facing.
1: That's right. And they're doing a fantastic job. And our guest today is Jen Porter, Senior Vice President, Field Engagement at the American Hospital Association. And welcome to Rural Health Rising, Jen.
0: Thanks for having me. So to start, Jen, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work at the American Hospital Association?
2: Well, I tell you what, I am a farm girl from South Dakota who... Somewhere along the line, did not take a linear path to get here, but uh, my background, I started in healthcare right out of college uh, in the post-acute arena as a nursing home administrator. And yeah, and found myself uh, really loving working with older persons and actually found my start in advocacy work uh, early on at that point um, and spent primarily my time in Kansas and Minnesota at that time, but did advocacy at the state level um, there, um, but eventually found my way into higher education, which then led to association management. So then I worked for the state hospital association in South Dakota, um, working with their post-acute members, doing advocacy at the federal and state level, and also then just bridged over into the acute care side, working on quality and patient safety. That's really sort of the impetus that led me to the American Hospital Association, uh, where I started out as a regional executive with the Region Six area, and now I lead the field engagement division for the association. So, uh, it's uh, been healthcare in and around it for 30 years. Well,
1: wow, that is fantastic. What a journey! Uh, and, and wouldn't you agree? Some of the best times that we spend in healthcare around our skilled nursing facilities. Uh, I tell you, the most enjoyment I get is whenever I'm having a bad day, I just walk right over there and uh, not caring for the regulation of skilled nursing (laughs) facilities, but certainly uh, what we do there and and the work that we do. So certainly, you know, your life is embodied in that work uh, originally and uh, now doing something of even greater nobility, and uh, that is advocating. And so we really appreciate it. So for our listeners today, those who may not know you, uh, we want to ask you a simple question. We ask this of each of our guests on every podcast that we do, and it's called The Why. Um, we want to know, what is your why, Jen Porter? What gets you up out of bed in the morning to do the things that you do and the passion that you give uh, to hospitals like Killsdale? So what is your why?
2: Well, that actually is a super easy question for me to answer because it's all about members. That's really what it's about. I mean, I've been in healthcare for 30 years, and... From being in operations, boots on the ground myself, all the way to the association world, I uh, really am inspired by all of the work that hospitals and and other healthcare providers do for their communities. And Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. the, the healthcare ecosystem really is the heart of many communities. And that's where people come together. It's when they see see us at our worst and at our best uh, when we're yeah. involved in patient care. So that's really what drives me to, to get up every day and, and do what I do.
0: So to get started with our discussion today, can you first explain to us what um, does your team do when you say field engagement? That is what that, that's the, the division that you're over. What does field engagement mean in this context? What kind of work is your team doing?
2: So we do a lot of different things, but if I had to boil it down to one sentence, it is recruiting, retaining, and engaging members in the life of the association. And then connected with that, we also liaise with our state hospital associations and our metro and regional hospital associations who are very integral to work at the local, regional, and state level. And we partner with them on a lot of things on advocacy and other other areas. To get more in the weeds on it for what I do in field engagement is, um, I describe it as two sides of the house. We have our organizational members, which are the hospitals and the health systems that are members of the organization. And then the other side of the house that is under field engagement is um, five of our professional membership groups, which are, folks uh, with specific disciplines within hospitals and health systems. Uh, so we have our Shishmed group, which is our strategic communications, marketing, strategy folks. Uh, we have our risk Love management. Them. I'm a
0: member of Shishmed, <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh,
2: we have our risk management group, Ashram, and that covers a lot of, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, enterprise risk management areas. Uh, we have AHE, which is our environmental services group, Uh, We have ARM, which is our supply chain management group. And then we have ASHI, which is our facilities and construction group. So so all of that reports under me as well as part of our field engagement efforts.
1: Wow, that's fantastic. And that's a tremendous amount of work. Um, You know, Rachel, I think that uh, you and I both can agree uh, that financially, uh, hospitals across this country, Uh, are suffering just like we are financially. And Jen, you know, I have a question for you regarding this because Rachel and I live it every day here, boots on the ground. Uh, And for these hospitals, including mine, that are having, you know, the most difficult of times, uh, you know, we're we're facing issues like uh, record inflation. Uh, we're dealing with situations of supply chain cost we have never even imagined possible. Vendors transferring cost right to us without us having any say in it. Uh, labor, workforce, uh, the cost of doing work now, uh, which is much higher than it was even pre pandemic. And then, you know, the list goes on and on of things that are really impacting healthcare right now. Um, and so, I, I guess, my question to you is. These are all the issues that are heavy on my mind, that are heavy on my colleagues' mind. Uh, As I sit through these American, uh, or excuse me, the Michigan Hospital Association meetings, you know, we also have representatives from AHA who come in and they talk about, you know, some of the collaboration that we're trying to do together. So, you know, from your perspective for our listeners, um, what is the AHA doing to support hospitals through these most tumultuous times?
2: Well, you you said it. There was a, a bucket load of items that you mentioned there, JJ, and they weigh heavily on us as well. And I'll say first and foremost, our job is advocacy, and we are very active both on the Hill with members of Congress, but also within the federal agencies. So I'll just give you an example. I'm sure many people are aware of the Pfizer plant that was hit by a tornado last week. yes. And so we've been in a lot of conversations since that time with the FDA and other agencies to try to work through that issue and make sure that we can understand what the supply chain impact is going to be for the field. And we work collaboratively. Um, Our armed supply chain management group is heavily involved in those conversations. So those are the kinds of things that we're doing on a regular basis that people uh, may not realize um, behind the scenes of things that we're doing, so that's an example of the a, a federal agency uh, collaboration mm-hmm. that we're doing. But as far as on the Hill, we, we do a lot. Um, it is, we've recently actually just had three um, late April. We had three different hearings where AHA testified on behalf of hospitals and health systems before Congress. We had Mindy Hatton that testified based on the benefits of tax exempt status and nonprofit mm-hmm. hospitals. Uh, we had Ashley Thompson who uh, testified on behalf of all of the um, struggles financially that hospitals and health systems are having payment cuts, reimbursement cuts, the things that were working so hard to um, support our members for, um, she also raised issues with commercial insurers and the denials and the burden of prior authorizations and the regulatory and administrative burden that it puts on staff at the local level that uh, really um, impacts what's happening on a day-to-day basis working with patients. And then Robin Begley testified on behalf of the AHA for for us on workforce, and that was um, actually a, a Veterans Administration hearing but they wanted to hear from the civilian sector as to the workforce challenges so we've had a number of opportunities to be in front of congress for our issues and uh you know outside of advocacy we have so many other areas that we're working on for members uh your point to workforce and labor issues we've got a board level task force that's directing a lot of the association's work around workforce and what we can be doing there our hospitals against violence group is has been very involved in helping with resources and in mass shootings and all of the things that people oh, wow. are seeing across the country that were involved in um, cybersecurity. You mentioned that early on, that is a, a risk, but we're very involved on the Hill and with the FBI and other security yeah. agencies in that area. Health disparities, patient safety quality, supply chain, environmental stewardship, I could go on and on, but there's um, so many things that we're, mm-hmm. we're doing on behalf of hospitals and health systems to really try to address a lot of the issues that we're seeing um, nationally around so many important issues. I mean, think of others yeah. too, behavioral health, you know, maternal child health, especially in the rural areas, we're seeing a lot of OB deserts is what they call them is very, very concerning. Um, So the whole idea of infant and maternal mortality is of great concern for us and things Mm -hmm. that we're working on there. And then obviously the post-acute segment, and that's something that means a lot to me, you know, starting out in that space uh, before coming to the association. So how do we actually um, take care of folks that need long-term care needs, Mm -hmm. um, but also older persons that you know, yeah. want to be at home or want to have other alternatives, you know, for their living arrangements as they as they grow older.
1: So other than that, what are you doing in your spare time?
0: <laughs> well, I know what they're doing in their spare time. They're also oh. Oh. advocating uh, in the legal arena by are. directly bringing suit yes, against uh, HHS or CMS or, you know, whoever it is yeah. um, that uh, might need to be yes. corrected on the legality of some of their policies. Which they've done and, recently. We are grateful to see that uh, finally a finally. remedy has been proposed for the unlawful 340B cuts, yep. ruled unlawful by the Supreme Court in a suit brought directly by the American Hospital that Association. Is true. That is true. So the billions of dollars that are going back to hospitals through that remedy mm-hmm. can be attributed to the work it that AHA has done to bring that case and to go through the time and expense involved to file that suit and take it all the way up to the Supreme Court to get that ruling. And Great so work. I just have to point that out because the, the news of uh, of that uh, just came out, I think, last week um, as of this yep. recording. Now, as it of did. the time it, that you listeners are hearing this, it's been a little longer than that. Um, but and, you know, there's a comment period on on the proposed rule and everything, but it's certainly a massive step forward it um, is. in that regard. Now, I'm it, is your team involved in any of that in the legal arena or do you guys kind of support the... Legal team that works on those kinds of things.
2: We we support the legal team in areas where they need to do uh, significant outreach to the field on different things. So we actually on that issue are already reaching out to folks based on the comment letter period. That comment letters due September fifth, and so mm-hmm. we're in the process of working through that. I you know I would point out too it was a nine to zero vote, so it was unanimous yes. at the Supreme mm-hmm. Court. Level and um, that is uh, largely unheard of. That's a rarity mm-hmm. uh, with Scotus decision. So um, we know yes. that we know that we made our case well and it was well researched and understood by them when we mm-hmm. uh, when we took it forth. I'll also say on our legal areas. I mean that we don't take suits solely by the American Hospital Association. We actually have hospitals and health systems that are the plaintiffs of those cases. So. We right. need we need our hospitals and health systems and their leadership supportive of being a part of
0: a, a litigation case.
2: And mm-hmm. so.
0: Right. And so there's right. a lot. I of, imagine AHA independently wouldn't be no. considered to have right. enough standing without having the hospitals joining in to those yeah. suits directly. Yep,
2: yeah. yeah. So we had some, you know, brave hospitals and health systems that were willing to be plaintiffs in that case and see us through the journey that it took to get yeah. here.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's shift gears a little bit into uh, one of the hot topics that probably folks even outside of the healthcare industry have been hearing about, uh, which is cybersecurity. It's huge in the healthcare space right now. Um, The most recent breach that we have learned of um, is thought to be the largest healthcare related breach to date uh, or on record. So how does your team support hospitals and health systems in their effort to mitigate cybersecurity threats, but also in the aftermath? of a cybersecurity attack, should it be successful? Um, how, do you, how, how does your team help support hospitals as they manage that um, and work through the crisis timeframe on those tins, kinds of things?
2: Yeah, so John Reggie is the lead for the AHA on all things cybersecurity and risk. And he worked for the FBI for 30 years in this area. Mm-hmm. So he brings significant subject matter expertise to us. And he's been able to help us uh, collaborate and continue really strong relationships with the security agencies and FBI and others at a national level. And he's also our primary spokesperson on cyber issues with the media. And so you'll often see him uh, on the news or in media reports speaking to those issues. Mm -hmm. But our position on cybersecurity is that it's a patient safety issue. If there's a hospital Mm -hmm. that gets hacked in some way, that can potentially affect a patient. And so we've had really great support from members of Congress and other federal agencies to that point, which has been really helpful as we've Move forward on supporting different issues around this. On a preventive side, we offer risk and um, advice, cyber and risk advisory services, and leadership education and awareness. So, for example, if a hospital CEO wants to do a tabletop exercise with their leadership team, um, we can make that happen and we work through John Rigi to do that. We've also done uh, webinars and convenings regionally uh, and across the country to bring him together. And he'll, he really does threat landscape reports for people and kind of gives them, here's the state of the state today around cyber issues and what they should be doing internally uh, to think about how they can strengthen their, um, their protection, I guess, and prevention at their local level. From a perspective of you've had an incident and then how do we help, we actually... Uh, offer assistance, we will get we will get resources. John offers himself up as a 24-7 resource and he al- also does liaison services. So if you need a liaison uh, to the FBI or other agencies, he's um, offered and, and has done that uh, for hospitals and health systems um, through just discussion with the CEO. Obviously, it's a, a sensitive issue when it happens. And so he is at the ready to help uh, when and where people need them. So we definitely um, try to do what we can, uh, depending on what the situation is, um, to be able to be helpful. And sometimes that's along supply chain issues or just like, what are, what are your current issues, depending on what the incident is, and is there something mm-hmm. we can help with? And, and we wanna be ready to, to do that and be as helpful as we can. Well, right.
1: We truly appreciate it, and certainly uh, I know that several of my colleagues have reached out to AHA Uh, having heard that uh, at several of my uh, other board meetings uh, throughout the state. Uh, And, you know, you're just a tremendous resource. So thank you for what you do there because, you know, when we're dealing with the everyday, you know, take care of our patients and run the organization, it's oftentimes very difficult when you have to face such a major issue as a threat to your, you know, securities as it relates to cybersecurity. So thank you for the work that you and your team do there.
0: And I would point um, our listeners to AHA's podcast because I believe you guys have done at least one and maybe Mm -hmm. two or maybe more episodes specifically on rural hospitals that have experienced cybersecurity attacks Mm -hmm. and what they did in the aftermath of that and how that process worked and the ways that AHA supported. And then also we did an episode not too long ago, if you scroll back in your Rural Health Rising feed, Mm -hmm. um, with our network administrator, Joshua uh, Doherty, on cybersecurity and how we manage that here. Locally as well. So there's a lot of good information out there. Um, but, you know, for our listeners who want to hear that rural perspective of hospitals that it's happened to them, um, I know AHA has some great resources on that in the in their pod, in their your podcast feed, we'll say.
1: This commercial brought to you by yeah, Rachel right. from Rural Health Rising.
0: <laughs> All right. Well,
1: good job, Rachel. Um, so let me talk about a word that really excites me. Uh, it symbolizes so much about what we do each and every day. And that word is called grassroots. And you hear that word sometimes misused, uh, but you hear it in the political arena, you know, grassroots efforts, you hear it in our efforts here at the hospital, we have to have a grassroots effort, you know, to engage with the patients. And so that's a, it's a very important word, but oftentimes misunderstood. Um, But it is truly, when you think about grassroots advocacy, uh, it is what you, I feel, do very well at the AHA. Uh, you promote the issues facing hospitals like ours, uh, and primarily through the work that you do that I witness at the legislative level uh, to support, and that's when you think about grassroots, you think about, all right, how are we going to engage our membership, uh, and what are the common themes and challenges of the membership, and then how can we target that and go after you know legislative movements, uh, amendments, whatever it is. And so for those that are listening today, Jen, you know small rural hospitals, let's say we have CEOs across the country listening, um, how do rural hospitals engage in this effort of grassroots uh, efforts, grassroots advocacy, um, both during and outside of you know, the legislative session? Because it's not just about when Congress is uh, in session or the state legislature. And then I guess take it down to a level of not only just at the federal level, but how should they do it at the local level? state level? You know, what does that look like? And then if you could talk about what your advice would be to us, and then what can you do to help?
2: My first response to your great summary of grassroots is uh, to say that we are blessed to have really amazing members. Everybody is willing to help wherever they can. I think where we want to meet people where they're at is to their uh, comfort, their comfort level and their experience level in doing grassroots because sometimes people uh, haven't done it um, or maybe they're moving to a different state. They don't even know the legislator, you know, and so they're having to pick up and learn all of those things uh, from the beginning. But our members are great. They're, they are actively involved in many ways. Uh, and I'll just kind of name a few that I, I think are uh pertinent to, to, to raise. Um, The first is when the AHA does Hill staff briefings on the Hill, we actually have a rural person hospital health system represented at every single one. We want to make sure that the rural voice is heard in all of our Hill briefings. And so that is um, always a a priority for us. Um, So Hill staff briefings um, and and Hill visits just generally, so anytime we have uh, an opportunity to have members in for a, a meeting or a conference, we, we will make time for Hill visits and we will help folks get connected with their members of Congress offices to make sure that we can coordinate and help with those visits and get them any of the information, supporting information that they uh, need to have when they're going to be on the Hill um, and I think that's similar. You would experience this in Michigan. Um, you know, when you got to do something at the state level, you need to have the right materials, the right um, planning and preparation for those meetings, because legislators don't have a lot of time. So you really have to plan and prepare and be articulate on the kinds of things that you want to present to them mm-hmm. and the issues that you want them to hear about. Um The other way that our members, this is, I mean, it may not sound like it's grassroots, but it it really is to me. And that's providing feedback on payment and other rules to help with comment letters. Like we we need to have that feedback and those examples in comment letters that go to our agencies. And that's you know, Mm -hmm. a really easy way for people to dip their toes into, you know, what they care about and how to get us feedback and help us understand how these issues are going to impact them at a local level. So people are really great about that too. We also have advocacy alliances at the AHA and we have one specifically just for rural members. And so that's a great way for us to really tailor the issues around our rural members, and get their feedback, and keep them updated on what's happening, so that they do have the information that they need to to circle back with their members of Congress. We also partner with our state associations. Uh, so every you know mm-hmm. April, when we have our annual business meeting, the state hospital associations uh, will caucus with their folks, and they go up to the hill in groups and. It's just one of the ways that we partner with our state hospital associations on different things. We do as well for outreach. I mean, today is a great example for us internally. There's a lot of hearings this week. And so we're reaching out to various people that have members of Congress on those committees so that we can make mm-hmm. sure that they have an opportunity, they know what's happening, and they can reach out. And that's how we will also partner with the State Hospital Association, so they're aware too, and everybody's sort of on the same page as we're moving forward on those on those issues. If I had advice for people uh, on a state level it is to do hospital, um, try to get your member of Congress and even your state-level legislators in your hospital. They need to Mm -hmm. see what you're doing. They need to hear from people that are working with patients every day how policy decisions affect their work. And that is very powerful for legislators Mm -hmm. to be in that environment, see what you're doing, see how you're taking care of your community, hear the important things that you're doing, how you're changing lives and saving lives, and to help articulate and enforce that, you know, hospitals are 24-7. We don't ever Mm -hmm. close down.
0: And we're available for
2: anybody at any time. And so it's really important that we remind them and that they see that happening. And I think the other thing, which is a really simple, simple thing, and that's thank yous. You know, when you do have an opportunity to engage with a legislator, um, send them a thank you note, you know, yeah. let them know that it mattered and that you would have them back. And I think, mm-hmm. JJ, to your point of like in session, out of session, when they're out of session is the best time to get them in your hospital it because is. they're not yeah. in Washington or they're not in your state capitol working on state legislative mm-hmm. issues. So just kind of keeping mm-hmm. Those conversations going, and offer yourself up as a resource for them, Um, especially those that that are elected that don't have a background in healthcare. Healthcare is just a very um, complex ecosystem, and it can be difficult for those of us that are in and around it to maneuver through it. So, for Mm -hmm. you know, a lay person to really have no experience, it can be quite. Um, a process. And so, you know, helping them understand all of that is, is crucial. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. And then that way, when they go back to Washington and these issues come up, hopefully they can picture what really is being talked about and what's really being discussed Mm -hmm. because they've been in your hospital, they've seen it, they can, it it will feel, hopefully it will feel more real to them and less conceptual or abstract because they have been to your hospital and seen the patients and seen the people and, Walked past the admitting desk and been upstairs to the behavioral health unit and you know those yep. those right. kinds of things right. um, that are so important. So Jen, what would you say that you and uh, you or maybe members of your team are most excited about right now um, that you're actively engaged in, and how can hospitals make sure that they benefit from those services you provide?
2: Well, I'm going to raise a couple of projects that we we're, we're doing that are uh, just kind of hot off the presses that. Our, in our actual professional membership groups. We just launched a revamped uh, what program? What we're calling HealQuest, and it's uh, designed to help teams look at their environmental stewardship and how they can actually become more environmentally friendly and cut costs. You know, so how can we actually cut energy costs and save our mm-hmm. hospitals mm-hmm. some money? And so yeah. we've revamped that that program and just launched that. So that's um, a, a pretty exciting project. The other project we just got off the ground is our Skill Set Go, which is through our AHE group, our environmental services group. And it's a on-demand uh, training subscription model for environmental services teams. And so it's meant to be really quick, um, learning for them just-in-time intended to really help uh, not only onboard new people but retain the folks you have and provide that just-in-time training that they need to have to ensure high-quality environmental services to the hospital. so and other healthcare, healthcare providers. So that's pretty exciting that we've got that going on. Um, right now. And, you know, and then I would just say, and it's, I, we've talked a lot about advocacy, but advocacy is, you know, forefront for everything that we're doing. And there's a lot going on right now on the Hill, um, uh, with payment related issues for hospitals. And so it's really, um, you know, it's a lot of, uh, exciting work. Uh, it's hard work. It's, uh, work that you have to be persistent on and it it takes a lot of time. And so you sometimes feel like you're slogging through. Um, It takes a lot of time, but, you know, we think we're, you know, making the right steps forward. And that's what we just need to keep doing for hospitals. And we need our hospitals to, to help us tell that story.
1: Well, let's talk just real briefly in this, uh, believe it or not, the time is upon us here and we're going to have to close out. But for those listening today who may say, you know what, I really like the efforts that Jen has been talking about and put forth. Um, not all of the hospitals in America uh, have signed up with AHA. And so my question to you, or maybe give you this platform, talk a little bit about how they can become a member hospital.
2: So they can reach out to their regional executive uh, to do that. Uh, we do have that information out on our website, which is www.aha.org, but you can also email us at ahahelp at AHA.org, and we will get you to the right people, and we would be more than happy to have a conversation with anyone who's not currently a member that would like to explore what we have for resources.
1: Excellent. Jen, it's been a pleasure having you on our program today. Uh, Jen Porter, uh, Senior Vice President of Field Engagement at the American Hospital Association. Obviously, in the few minutes that you have been with us, you have talked about a tremendous amount of efforts uh, that you have put forth on behalf of hospitals like Hillsdale, and on behalf of Hillsdale Hospital, on behalf of the Michigan Hospital Association, I can say that as a member, uh, and the many folks that represent rural health, thank you. Uh, for your contribution and for your advocacy at the grassroots level uh, to take issues that are impacting us each and every day specific many times just to us uh, and elevating those at the national level uh, and for your voice in many areas we are greatly appreciative of your hard work so thank you for the work that you do and thank you for joining us today on Rural Health Rising
2: Thank you JJ Thank you Rachel
1: and before we close, we love to do a segment with each of our guests. Uh, and it's really about rule. And maybe you don't have a lot of experience uh, in rural America, but uh, if, if you're from the area of rule, you pretty much have a lot of experience and a lot of talking points that you can highlight about the experience of rule. So, We want to know, and maybe it's when you visited a site, maybe it's that you've had your own personal experience. Um, Maybe there's been a time in your life where you had a chance to uh, be part of a rural experience. But we want to know, what is one of your most memorable rural experiences that you can share with us today?
2: Well, I said at the beginning of the program that I'm a farm girl from South Dakota, so I know rural very well, and I still live in South Dakota, so I have, oh, nice. a, lot of, I have a lot of great memories uh, of growing up on the farm, and there's a couple of things. I'll, I'll say one that's healthcare-related and one that's not.
0: Sure, um, perfect.
2: The, the first, which is the healthcare one, is that when you're in a rural community, everybody knows everybody. And so if there's going to be a trauma situation, the people that are going to be responding to your situation are going to know you and your family. And they're going to do whatever they whatever they can to make sure you get the care that you need and to get where you need to be. And that's just something you can not get um, outside of rural. It's
1: very true. Mm -hmm. Very true.
2: The second, which is non-healthcare related completely, but just takes me, the question just immediately took me back to my childhood. And that was um, in the summertime and pit barbecue feeds. Uh And I haven't been to one in a long time. I know they still happen, (laughs) Um, but it's just the greatest experience of community with friends, family, and community coming together uh, for a meal. And of course, we all like to say that you know we can uh generate a lot of conversation around food Uh, i think that's just something that comes with being um in a rural community oh yeah
1: you know, just go into those great barbecue fest and, you know, we call them Rib Fest here in, in uh, Hillsdale, Michigan. And just going out. We and call them every other
0: Saturday night at home in oh, Texas. Is that what you call it? In Texas, that's just
1: a normal, that's called dinner.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's called dinner. That's called dinner. Barbecue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's been great again having you today. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Next time on Rule Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest. So be sure to tune in.
0: And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen, too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising.
1: And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong.
0: Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit ruralhealthrising.com.